Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved. Oh, dear. I didn't realize that I was on. We've had some technical difficulties this morning, and uh, technical difficulties are great because that means they happen once in a while, and most of the time, all is well. Hello, 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 beloved. I'm so pleased to be with you. I sound like I'm hoarse. What should I tell you? I'm just fine. Um, And I pray that you are. There's so much happening in the world. Um, This is not a news program, but it is to help us to live in the world and not be of it. So we um, are helping uh, one another, I pray, during this Lent. And going through a wonderful book, we're almost at the end, Victory Over Vice by Archbishop uh, Fulton Sheen. And I'm thrilled for it. And I've mentioned every day that um, Bishop Sheen has uh, understands that the um, it was the seven deadly sins that put our Lord on the cross. And so um, Bishop Sheen, Archbishop Sheen, has taken... Uh, one deadly sin and matched it to each of our Lord's seven last words on the cross and then shows us the corresponding virtue. We're on the sixth word of the cross today, which is, it is finished, John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished. And what would you guess the seven deadly sins? Uh, one of the seven deadly sins to be. It is finished. This certainly makes sense to me. Sloth. Sloth. Oy, 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 sloth. So now we have a whole chapter on sloth. Um, but it's good to understand that. Priests say that very few people um, uh, uh, um, confess uh, that they've been slothful. And I think... People simply associate it with laziness, but it goes beyond that. Let's see what Archbishop Sheen has said. Sloth is a malady of the will, of the will, that's so important, a malady of the will that causes us to neglect our duties. Sloth may be physical or spiritual. It is physical when it shows itself in laziness, procrastination, idleness, softness, indifference, and nonchalance. It is spiritual when it shows itself in an indifference to character betterment, a distaste for the spiritual, a hurried crowding of devotions, lukewarmness, and failure to cultivate virtue. The classic description of the effects of sloth, some people say sloth, I don't know the correct way, but I've said sloth, Um, The classic description of the effects of sloth is to be found in the book of Proverbs, quote, 
I passed by the field of the slothful man, and by the vineyard of the foolish man, and behold, it was all filled with nettles, and thorns had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall was broken down, which when I had seen, I laid it up in my heart, and by the example I received instruction. Thou wilt sleep a little, and I, thou wilt slumber a little. Thou wilt fold thy hands a little to rest, and poverty shall come to thee as a runner, and beggary as an armed man. This describes so many, beloved, so many of us without our even being able to catch it or define it. Archbishop continues, and that was from Proverbs 24. Archbishop um, Sheen says, Of such indifference to duty, our Lord spoke in the book of Revelation. Quote, But because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will begin to vomit thee out of my mouth. End quote. The life and teaching of our Lord led no support to the slothful man. When yet only 12 years of age, he speaks of being about his father's business, which was nothing less than redeeming the world. Then for 18 years, he worked as a manual laborer, transforming dead and useless things into the child's crib, the friend's table, Nazarene roofs, and the farmer's wagons as symbols of his later work by which he would transform hard money changers and prostitutes into useful citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Beginning his public life with calloused hands, he preached the gospel of work, quote, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work, end quote. <clears throat> his whole life, in his own words, was spent not in receiving, but in giving. Quote, the Son of Man is not come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life as a redemption for many, end quote. He earned the right to teach the necessity of work, and lest we live under any illusions that any other work is more important than the saving of souls, even the burial of our fathers, he said to the disciple who asked for such permission, quote, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. <clears throat> That's quite a word today, isn't it, beloved? While many are touting climate control, um, saving our planet as the primary work more than saving souls or saving the lives of babies to be murdered in their mother's womb. To the young man who wished to be his disciple, but first wanted to bid farewell to friends at home, our Lord said, no man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I've had women call, dear ones, who want to enter our community, um, and we are a contemplative, active Benedictine community of sisters. Our activity has to do with walking the streets uh, to show the world that God has not left, 
and to help restore God's design for the family, which is being destroyed left and right. Um, And women come and they say, we love your charism. We want to be part of you. We trust you. You're orthodox. um, But I have a little pet or I have a... um, uh, other things to take care of first, uh, a job to finish or whatever it is. Those are very worthwhile things. Certainly burying parents is worthwhile. Why would our Lord um, say, let the dead bury their dead? You see, we say we're ready to give our lives for him, but first this, first that, first them. And he says, no, pick up your cross, leave everything and follow me. Jesus earned the right to teach the necessity of work, lest and lest we live under any illusions that any other work is more important than the saving of souls. And we're just repeating that paragraph. Even the burial of our fathers, he said to the disciple who asked for such permission, follow me and let the dead bury their dead. <clears throat> to the young man who wished to be his disciple, but first wanting, wanted to bid farewell to friends at home, our Lord said, No man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. End quote. Laboring for bread alone is no fulfillment of God's commandment. For to those who wanted more bread, he pleaded, quote, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that which endureth unto life everlasting, which the Son of Man shall give you. I want to stop to say uh, there's just no subject that doesn't fit into this. Parents that are afraid to give up their job to homeschool their children or to get them out of uh, the evil agenda of the public school, um, uh, how do I don't know how to say cares more for temporal needs than for the souls of their children. There's always a way to survive. There's always a way to buy food. Um, there's always a way in America to feed your children, not to provide them with the luxuries perhaps that they wish or you wish to give them not perhaps to keep up an expensive home. You may have to sell your furniture and downsize. Nothing is wrong with that. But sending your children, turning them over to an evil government, to an evil school system, uh, even to Catholic school if they're not truly Catholic, um, is to abandon your vocation and to do evil to your children. Archbishop, that was my comment, dear ones. Archbishop Sheen continues, The business of salvation is no easy task. There are two roads through this world and two gates into the future. Quote, Enter ye into the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there are who go in thereat. <clears throat> How narrow... No... Is it a... Okay, sorry, beloved, that we had an engineer talking to me. I had to be interrupted. Um, Let me just finish this paragraph. How narrow is the gate, and straight is the way that leadeth to life, and few there are that find it. We'll be right back after the break, beloved. 
The iCatholic Radio mobile app is two apps in one. Your place to hear great Catholic programs and music. Here's what listeners are saying about the updated iCatholic Radio mobile app. Through the iCatholic Radio app, I have listened to the sermons and teachings several times. The effect has been a deeper understanding of my faith and Catholic tradition. This app has truly been a blessing in my life and has increased my faith. With the new app, you can choose to listen to our programs like Mother Miriam Live or The Catholic Current whenever you like. But you can also switch over to the best in contemporary music by Catholic artists. We even bring you hours of Gregorian chant every Sunday morning. If you do not currently have our app, download it to your iPhone through the Apple Store or to your Android phone by going to Google Play and searching iCatholic Radio. The updated iCatholic Radio mobile app, your one stop for great Catholic programs and music. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Hello, beloved family. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live. Uh, everybody apologizes for some technical difficulties we've had this morning, but all is well, dear ones. And we're going to continue on the subject of sloth, uh, our Lord's sixth word on the cross. It is finished. And um, at John chapter 19, verse 30, and Archbishop um, Sheen has attached the vice of sloth to this. This is such an important chapter, dear ones, and I'm going to continue um, with Bishop Sheen's word. Um, <clears throat> he says, curiously enough, um, our Lord's invitation goes out um, only to those who labor for the eternal prize. Quote, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will refresh you. Take up my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you shall find rest to your souls, for my yoke is sweet and my burden is light. End quote. My own comment, beloved, um, I know what it is to, um, um, let me just say, labor 20 hours a day um, and, not, and not burn out. Be physically tired, that's fine, but not burn out, never burnt out because I was living the life 
that God had called me to. Bishop Sheen continues, So completely had he fulfilled the smallest detail of his father's business that on the very night of his agony in the upper room, in the presence of his apostles, he could raise his eyes to heaven and pray, Father, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. End quote. Then the following afternoon, um, as the carpenter is put to death by his own profession, listen to this, as the carpenter is put to death by his own profession, he cries out from the cross in a loud voice, the final reparation for sloth and the song of triumph. It is consummated. He did not say, I die, because death did not come to take him. He walked to it to conquer it. The last drop in the chalice of redemption was drained. The last nail had been driven in the mansion of the Father's house. The last brush had been touched to the canvas of salvation. His work was done. But ours is not. It is important to realize this. For there are the slothful who justify themselves by saying they need only faith in Christ to save their souls. Surely he who worked so hard for the world's redemption came not to dispense his followers from work. The servant is not above his master. Faith in him alone does not save. For faith without good works is dead. Quoting from James chapter 2. It is not enough for the student to have faith in his teacher's knowledge. He must also study. It is not enough for the sick to have faith in their doctor. Their organism must cooperate with him and his medicine. It is not enough to believe that Washington was the father of our country. We must also assume and fill our duties as American citizens. In like manner, it is not enough to believe in Christ. We must live Christ and to some extent die Christ-like. His words permit of no equivocation. And he that taketh not up his cross and followeth me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that shall lose his life for me shall find it. End quote from Matthew chapter 10. St. Paul understood the labor involved in being a Christian and wrote the same message to the Romans, quote, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, end quote. What he has done with his human nature, we must do with ours, planted in the soil of the cross and await the resurrection of the eternal Easter. Later, to the Corinthians, Paul repeated it, As you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be also of the consolation. And St. Peter, who knew well the scandal of the cross, pleaded for joy in reliving the cross. Quote, If you partake of the sufferings of Christ, rejoice that when his glory shall be revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy, end quote. 
There is no hope for the spiritually slothful in these injunctions. Our Lord, excuse me, our Lord is the die, D-I-E. We must be stamped by it. He is the pattern. We must be remodeled by it. We must be remodeled to it. The cross is the condition. We must be nailed to it. Our Lord loved... Oh, I'm so sorry, dear ones. I have the hiccups again. Forgot to take sugar with me. Our Lord loved his cross so much that he keeps its scars even in his glory. He who had won victory over death kept the record of its wounds. Beloved, I have often said to those who have had wounds from their childhood or from any stage of their life, deep wounds, that they may live with the rest of their life. Our Lord Jesus Christ will live for the rest of eternity with the wounds we have inflicted on him. We will see a lamb when we get to heaven as if slain. We will see the wounds in his hands and his feet and his side. The wounds that we, that our sins have caused. Bishop Sheen continues, If so precious to him, they cannot be meaningless for us. In their preservation is the reminder that we too must be signed with those signs and sealed with those seals. On Judgment Day, he will say to each of us, quote, Show me your hands and feet. Where are your scars of victory? Have you fought no battles for truth? Have you won no wars for goodness? Have you made no enemy of evil? If we can prove we have been his warriors and show the scars on our apostolic hands, we shall enjoy the peace of victory. But woe unto us who come down from Calvary of this earthly pilgrimage. The Calvary of this earthly pilgrimage with hands unscarred and white. Two lessons emerge from this sixth word from the cross witnessing to Christ's finished work and our own unfinished tasks. First, we must be aware of spiritual sloth, for its penalties are tremendous. And second, we must work for a complete life. <clears throat> the Gospel records these instances, three instances of sloth. There were the foolish virgins, chaste but lazy. The wise virgins fill their lamps with oil and wait to hear the step of the approaching bridegroom. The foolish virgins do not think of oil. And tired of waiting, they fall asleep. When the bridegroom comes, the wise virgins light their lamps and welcome the bridegroom. The foolish virgins go out to buy oil But everybody is asleep. The shops are closed. They go back to the wedding feast, but the door is closed. They cried, Lord, Lord, open to us. But his answer is, Amen, I say to you, I know you not. Oh, dear ones, can you imagine 
Can you imagine being a baptized Catholic, all your sacraments, going to church on Sundays, and our Lord saying, I know you not. Amen, I say to you, I know you not. Our Lord concludes the parable with these words, Watch, therefore, because you know not the day nor the hour. The second instance of sloth was the parable of the barren fig tree, quote, and the next day when they came out from Bethania, he was hungry. And when he had seen afar off a fig tree having leaves, he came if perhaps he might find anything on it. And when he was come to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the time for figs. And answering, he said to it, May no man hereafter eat fruit of thee any more forever. Oh my. The third was the parable of the buried talent. He who received five talents earned another five. He who had received two earned another two. But he who received one hid it in the ground. Of him, the Lord of the servants said, Wicked and slothful servant, take ye away therefore the talent from him and give it him that hath ten talents. For to every one that hath shall be given, and he shall abound. But from him that hath not, that also which he seemeth to have shall be taken away. And the unprofitable servant cast ye out into the exterior darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can you imagine, beloved, that the one who received one talent didn't want to lose it and wanted to be able to give back to his master that which he received? Didn't have a thought that it needed to be multiplied, that he needed to work while it was day? that he needed to refill his lamp with oil. Common to these three parables is the danger of sloth and the necessity to work. Purity without good works will not save us any more than it saved the foolish virgins. What a statement, beloved. Purity without good works will not save us any more than it saved the foolish virgins. I know of women who pray all day in the church or many hours a day in the church, but they do not hear, they do not reach out with the gospel to anyone. They do not care about souls. It is unfathomable to me that the Christ who is the Savior of the world, who lives in them, would not be alive in them, that his life in them would not spur them on to save souls. It's, to me, unfathomable, and I cannot criticize them without being uh, grateful for what God has given me. I've got it. There is 
the commercial music, beloved. Music for the break, no commercials, just good holy breaks at the Station of the Cross. We'll be back with you right after the break. Call in toll-free or email. We'll see you soon. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Hello, this is Father Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. All scripture teaches the sacredness of human life. We do not have to look only at the specific passages that speak about the unborn child. Rather, the great biblical themes of the dominion of God over human life and the fact that we are our brother's keeper are present throughout the Bible. These are the themes that challenge us to be a culture of life. This is Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life. Podcasts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. This is our half hour together, and you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. And I've been reminded again to remind you, or to uh, mention again, the beautiful uh, fundraiser that... um, LifeSite News has set up for us. It's lifefunder.com, one word, L-I-F-E, and then F-U-N-D-E-R.com, forward slash the initials of our community, Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. So it's lifefunder.com, forward slash, capital letters, D for daughters, D-O-M-M-O-I-H. I haven't looked at it today. Um, uh, as of yesterday, we were 35% on our way to the $200,000 goal. Um, let me see if I can see where we are today. Um, I just can't thank God enough. We're 36% now funded with 17 days to go. And I will tell you that I've mentioned that we are looking for a larger house because the house that we bought um, is filled and um, we need a larger one and the house that we bought which is uh, 2400 square feet and uh, too small to take in many women but it will be our guest house 
It's a lovely, beautiful little home. And um, we, we uh, made an offer on a 6,000-foot house, square-foot house, and we're going to know this afternoon whether we'll be able to get it or not. It has uh, quite a number of repairs to make, and we need to split rooms into cells and do all of that. So we'll need, we'll need uh, the, the um, well, more than the 200,000, really. But um, I'm just kind of keeping you on the journey with us. And I just hug you all. I hug you all. I bless God for you. Once a day, I look at it and look and read all your comments. And I just cannot thank God enough for you. What God wants, he will provide. What God doesn't want, we don't want. So it's it's a simple, simple thing. And um, we do nothing alone in this world, and God will have us do nothing alone. Um, and so we are the body of Christ. Um, uh, I, we, we had somebody here in Beloit last night. Uh, our Wednesday uh, masses, our Wednesday evening masses here in Beloit, Kansas. And one of the families came to us um, with, a, with a, the most um, fun fundraiser that they want to do for us. Uh, that we've ever been a part of. It's just wonderful. We'll let you know next week if if it's going to come together. It's just so beautiful. Um, people are just helping all over the place and, and so gracious and so lovely. Um, it, we're blooming in Beloit, and we want to be nowhere else. Our bishop is as beautiful a shepherd, I think, as one can find. And um, our priest, Father Jared Conradi, uh, Bishop Gerald Vinke, and Father Jared Conradi is a very beautiful holy priest. And we are working now to get him on this podcast soon so you can all meet him. Um, I'm, I'm just very, very thrilled about that. So um, our toll-free number, one 877 5483 And you can email at of the cross.com. We have an email from Mark who says, My name is Mark. I'm from California. My family and I love to listen to your program. Thank you, Mark. I have a quick question. Here in California, we are close to having a recall election of our governor. There are two candidates against the current governor that I'm considering voting for. They both have similar policies that I support, but one is pro-choice and the other pro-life. According to the polls, they say that the pro-choice candidate has a better chance of winning. As a practicing Catholic, who would be the better candidate to vote for? God bless Mark. Mark, from your email, it's, it's very clear to me that anyone who is Catholic uh, or Christian in any way should vote for the pro-life candidate. I don't know why that's confusing to you. Um, My guess is that you're saying that the pro-choice candidate has a better chance of winning over your present governor. Um, I would never make that choice. I would never... Your your present governor is also pro-choice. I would never make the choice of choosing the better pro-choice person over one that is pro-life. I would not do that. So uh, 
we don't vote for a pro-choice candidate unless both candidates are pro-choice, and we vote then for the lesser of two evils. Um, but in this case, I don't see any option but to vote for the pro-life candidate. We have an email from Esther who writes, Hello, Mother. Thank you for all you do, and God bless you. Thank you, Esther. Can you please explain what happens to babies that are miscarried? It's such a painful feeling not to meet that, meet that child. Thank you. Esther, um, I've never been pregnant with a child. I've not been married, not been pregnant with a child. I cannot even imagine the pain of bearing a child and not meeting that child or having that child miscarried or having a child born that dies. I, I can't begin to understand that pain. I don't know what pain in the world would be worse than that, your own flesh and blood. Um, but the church has not, and, and if we know that pain, Esther, um, God certainly knows that pain um, and, and loves that child more than we could ever love that child because he created that child. Um, what happens to babies who miscarry, we simply don't know. We know that they are in the hands of a God who, who is all-wise and who can only do good and not evil. Um, the church has done away with the thought of a limbo. Um, where those babies, unbaptized babies go, uh, we just don't know. We leave them in the hands of a loving God. We know that there is no salvation apart from baptism. Um, St. Augustine said, we are bound by the sacraments, but God is not. And so we leave those miscarried children in the hands of a loving God. But I will tell you, for those children who are born um, outside the mother's womb who are born, um, and parents wait six months to baptize them, or even a month to baptize them until they could have all the family fly in and make it. I, I think they don't understand what baptism is, that, what, that, that they're taking a chance that that child in that month's time or six months' time or whatever time is waited um, can die, and then they cannot know for sure they're in heaven. I, I just don't understand that at all. It's not, a, baptism is not a social occasion. It's the very uh, essence of salvation, to be part of the new covenant. Um, in the Jewish faith, baptism is at eight days old, not baptism, but circumcision, which made a child um, part of the old covenant, a member of the people of God. St. Cyril in the third century, around 250 AD, said that if in the Jewish covenant, in the Old Covenant under Moses, a child would be baptized, not baptized, but circumcised on the eighth day, and the New Covenant is superior to the Old, then he said that a child born um, under the New covenant, covenant should be baptized on the first day, not even wait. So any child that waits, any parent that waits to baptize your child um, is taking a chance with their eternal salvation. Um, and um, and again, if a child is uh, miscarries, we leave that child in the arms of an all-loving, all-perfect God. We have an email from Catherine who writes, Please explain how one consecrates oneself to the Immaculate Heart of Mary 
or to St. Joseph. In my particular case, I would like to consecrate the whole family. Is this possible if the kids are little? Absolutely. Absolutely, Catherine. With you and your husband, go through um, the two consecrations. Consecration to Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Get true devotion um, to Mary. Uh, true devotion... Just the, I think it's just titled True Devotion, and it is devotion to Jesus uh, through Mary. And if you read the whole book through, it's one of the, um, next to the Bible, one of the most, uh, the greatest selling books ever by St. Louis de Montfort. Um, and I think it's just called True Devotion, I'm not sure. But um, it's by St. Louis de Montfort, and it's devotion, it's consecration to Jesus through Mary. And at the end of the book, they give you the entire uh, process of consecration. Um, it's a five-week consecration, which you and your husband can do together, take the children into that. There are also, um, that consecration in the back of True Devotion uh, is, has been separately printed into one book, so that all the resources are in um, that one book, and you could get that. Um, St. Joseph, Father Don Calloway, has just written um, the greatest devotion to St. Joseph, probably in the history of the Church, with everything we need to know and how to consecrate ourselves to St. Joseph, and it's called Consecration to St. Joseph. So, yes, Catherine, those two books will consecrate you and your family to um, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, um, to Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, and to St. Joseph. Um, absolutely. And when your children are old enough, seven years old on, you explain that devotion to them so they can personally enter into it. I hope that's helpful. Catherine, we have a text from uh, someone who writes anonymously and says, Mother, I'm wondering if you take late vocations. The answer is absolutely yes. We take women from 18 to 118, and we tell them that if they can, if they're 119 and can keep the rule, we'll make an exception. We absolutely take the vocations of all ages. However, I will say that we, because if you enter an order that has a, a community that's been alive for a few hundred years or even 50 years, they're going to have vocations. Even if the women entered at age 18, they're now going to be 68. So um, you'll enter an order that has all ages, and I think it's very healthy to um, have generations come together and encourage one another. The wisdom of the old, the, the enthusiasm of the young, I think it's very, very important. So we take all ages to begin with, but we'll take a balance. So if we have um, a group, um, we have more women who are older asking to come in than are younger simply because they are either widows or their marriages have been annulled or now they're in their 50s and 60s and never been married. And if they're eligible, we say yes. If they, if it looks like they would be suitable for our community and we for them. Um, but we have fewer vocations from younger women. We have women that are in high school that want to be part of us, but it'll take them a couple of years before they can join. So um, we will balance that. 
Uh, so we may take new vocations, but we want to catch up on on different age groups. Um, so as long as you understand that, we will absolutely take all ages. We have an email from someone who writes in anonymously and says, I wonder if you can help me with a decision I have to make. It is impossible to provide you with all the details of my situation. Um, And so, um, well, there is, dear ones, the music for our second break. And it will be our last segment of the program today when we come back. We will be with you tomorrow, and we will read the end of that um, chapter on sloth. My goodness, it! Uh, I think every everyone has to read that chapter. Um, call in toll-free. We'll have a good 10 minutes when we come back. Our lines are wide open, and our toll-free number, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back, dear ones. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McClain, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones 
to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment, and I'll just mention one more time our toll-free phone number. The lines are wide open. We've got 10 minutes. You're welcome to call. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We have an email. I took a quick look at it at the break and wasn't able to read all the way through it. It's a bit lengthy, dear ones, but... Um, I'm going to read it um, because it gives us a very true picture of the deep pain that so many people live with, so many people live with. Um, it's, uh, it's an email from an anonymous woman. Uh, he's, she says, I wonder if you can help me with a decision I have to make. <clears throat> it is impossible to provide you with all the details of my situation, so whatever advice you provide, I realize the decision will rest with me, but I would like to make my decision according to what is God's will, so I'm asking you what you think God would prefer me to do. My problem, she says, is that in my mother's original will from decades ago, I was to get one half of my mother's home and my brother the other half of her house. Then last year, I was informed that my mother totally disinherited me, with my daughter now receiving a portion of her home. I am to receive nothing. She says, I am a single 63, I am a single 63-year-old, and I live on a fixed income, and I own no property. I'm beginning to have health problems, and I honestly feel that the way my family has mistreated me is starting to take a toll on my health. I only have one child, a daughter, and three granddaughters. I was divorced when my daughter was three years old, and I raised her as a single parent. My daughter never had any substitute fathers. I have an abusive, narcissistic, 92-year-old mother that recently moved into a long care home due to her dementia. My mother has been abusive to me all my life, and the worst thing she did to me was taking my daughter away from me when my daughter was 10 years old. Since that time, my mother was evil in the way she worked to alienate my daughter from me, always working to convince her that I was an abuser. This smear campaign was always proven wrong, but my daughter was convinced with the constant brainwashing she received. Both my mother and daughter like to call me an abuser on occasion, and this is so unfair when it is I who is being abused. More recently, my mother used her money to poison my daughter and have her betray me. I feel my daughter always sided with my mother's abuse in order to receive my inheritance as her reward. My daughter even went as far as lying to the police by denying to them that my mother assaulted me, even though my daughter witnessed this assault. My daughter still refuses to admit the truth about this assault, even privately, and this I find most hurtful and disturbing. Last Christmas, I invited my brother, but he informed me that he was spending Christmas with my daughter and her family. So I spent Christmas Day alone, while my family spent the day together. This is typical every Christmas. Recently, due to my health problems, I have needed to go to the emergency room, and my daughter has been supportive by taking me to the hospital when I needed her to, so she is loving that way. My dilemma is this. I have spoken to a lawyer, and under family law, 
I know I have a strong case to contest my mother's will. I am quite certain that if I contest, I would win something with my lawyer, all lawyers involved, receiving a costly portion of my mother's home. The home will likely have to be sold and divided. Recently, my daughter informed me that she is moving out of her rental suite and into my mother's home, and she is going to live there with my brother. I am happy for my daughter, in a way, mainly because my grandchildren will have a yard to play in and because the world is becoming such a difficult place in which to survive and is getting harder, and I worry about their future. It was my intention all along to ensure my daughter ends up with whatever I can leave her, hopefully a home. If I contest the will, my mother's home will likely end up having to be sold in order for lawyers and family members to get their portion. I feel I have to sacrifice myself in order for my brother, my daughter, her partner, and three grandchildren to have a home and be happy. And this is my dilemma. There is satisfaction in knowing my daughter and three grandchildren will have a home to live in, but I feel my heart has been broken by the way my family, mainly my mother, has mistreated and disrespected me. What should I do? What would God want me to do? Thank you, Mother Miriam. I watch your program often. My dear sister, uh, my heart goes out to you all the way, all the way. My guess is that if you pursue a lawsuit and let's say win, which you may well win, you will be more alienated from your children than ever. Uh, You will lose your family even more than you already have. And you will live with the pain that because of your lawsuit, your daughter and children and brother and all of that will not have a home and your grandchildren not have a yard to play in. I think you will be in misery the rest of your life if you win that lawsuit. Um, I think great injustice has been done to you without any question your entire life. I think now, I, not knowing more than you've told me, I would let the entire thing go. You are living on a fixed income. You're not now living in your mother's home, which means that you have a way to live and on a fixed income. And as long as that is the case, I would let it all go. I would absolutely, dear one, let it go. If you pursue the lawsuit, I'm going to repeat myself, I know, you will be miserable and guilty the rest of your life, not because you've done wrong, because you will live with having done what is your, it, it, it's, it's justice in a sense, but you will live with the guilt of having taken away from your daughter uh, and your grandchildren what may be their survival as well. So um, I would leave it to God. I would trust God for the fact that your mother has, even in her state of dementia, completely disowned you. I would leave that to God, and I would just let it all happen and ask God. And don't curse them, don't fight them, don't do anything. Just continue to live where you are and um, um, and live on your fixed income. 
if through this situation um, you will have less income, I don't know if you have anybody renting, if you can rent out your room to somebody else, and get, or you can rent out a room in your home to someone, make sure it's a woman, not a man, um, uh, maybe a college student or an elderly woman or a woman who needs a companion and can contribute even through her social security, whatever it is, that might be a helpful thing for you. But I would let it all go and be at peace and um, only spread the love and forgiveness of Christ to your family. I think that will be the only course for you to take and the only possibility for reconciliation and even for their salvation. Um, Bless you, sweetheart, and we will pray for you and bless everybody else who is in such an awful situation of being so alone, so unjustly fought against, so disinherited. You are not disinherited by God. Give your life fully to Him and trust Him to provide for you. God bless all of you and will be with you tomorrow.